Amen. Thank you, Dan. Uh, turn your Bibles tonight to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. I don't have any spooky spiritual warfare stories to tell you tonight. I have some, but I'm not going to tell them to you. Uh, concerning Africa. Maybe a Friday night we'll tell some of the men some of our African stories. Deuteronomy chapter, I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 2. Please stand with me for the reading of the Word of God. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 9 through 11. And then as soon as we read that, I'm going to have you turn over to another. You know, let's turn over, keep your finger there and turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 47. So Joshua chapter 2 and then turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 47. First Samuel 17:47 says, "And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands." This is David speaking to Goliath and the Philistines. He will give you into our hands. Now I'll turn over to back to Joshua chapter two and verse nine. Joshua chapter two and verse nine. And she said unto the men, this is Rahab talking to the men from Israel, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you. Now let's stop there, and I want to ask you this question. When did that happen? Forty years previous to this. Rahab is saying, we heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you. Forty years ago they heard of it, and that's why terror has fallen upon them. When ye came out of Egypt, when did that happen? Forty years before this time. And we did unto, uh, I'm sorry, how the Lord dried up the red waters of the Red Sea for you, and we came out, and ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites, they were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. That was in this story a little more recently. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. I want to give you a message tonight, and I'm going to give you two spiritual warfare lessons in one uh, tonight, and I believe it's very important for us as we head into this revival that we put these two together, and so I'll do my best not to go too fast, um, but at the same time I want to give you some information, and that's why we have a handout so you can take some of it home and pray about it later. Let's pray. Father in heaven. I am weak, but you are strong. I am human. You are almighty God. I am without the ability to speak and change man's lives. 
Father, your spirit can do all things. So in the name of Jesus, I ask, I bind Satan and his forces from our hearts and our minds. I bind the spirit of pride and the spirit of sensuality and immorality from our hearts. Any spirit that would seek to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And Father, I ask that not for my name's sake, but for thy name's sake, that you would lead us and guide us into all truth. Make us clean through the word of God tonight. Separate us as a holy people unto God. Teach us thy way, Lord, and lead us in a plain path because of thine enemies. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We have here in these passages we read, I read two opposite passages. The stories are similar. But we find that the children of Israel failed to enter the promised land because they were afraid of what? Go ahead, talk to me. They were afraid of the giants. Their biggest fear is when they came back, all but Joshua and Caleb, the ten other spies said, there are giants in the land and we are as grasshoppers before them. They looked and they went and they looked with natural carnal eyes and they saw what natural carnal eyes see when something is bigger and more ugly than us. Giants. And because of what they saw, they gave the counsel not to go back into the promised land. But yet when we read in this passage of Scripture that we just read, we find out that that at that exact time when the men said, they are giants and we are as grasshoppers before them, there was not one man in that land that they were to conquer that was willing to stand up against them. We are all, we were all weak before you. The giants were afraid. But the children of Israel did not enter in. We find, on the other hand, a different uh, result when we find David coming before Goliath with a stone and a sling. And he's coming before Goliath, another giant, as one man, a, a young lad... And he's not afraid. And he says, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he said, I want the armies of Israel to know there's a God in Israel. And I want all this host to know that God doesn't save by sword or by shield, for the battle is the Lord's. Now, if we trace both of, their li- both of their histories back in these two stories, we find out that God had been preparing David for that very day. You know that before you get to the giant of your life, God is going to be preparing you for that day. You think it was an accident that God sent the lion to David when he was keeping the sheep? It wasn't an accident. God was preparing. I was reading it, I think, yesterday, and once again was comical to me. Not comical, but supernatural. David said, I grabbed him by the beard. 
There's a lot of men I wouldn't grab by the beard, let alone a lion. I, I, I was the other night we were at we were at the uh, a softball game and 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 Uncle John hurt his shoulder and the two EMTs that came in they were some big old boys and I was like good night I wouldn't want to meet that guy at night, late at night. But a lion, 450 pounds, a ferocious beast, and David's a young boy, and supernaturally. God spares him to teach David the battle is the Lord's. A bear come and the same thing happens. But you know, we look on the other side and we find out that the children of Israel were also being prepared. The Egyptian army pursues Israel. They cross the Red Sea. God miraculously caused the Red Sea to close upon Pharaoh's army. God was also preparing them. So what is the difference? I also want to say by way of introduction tonight that I believe God has shown me in, 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 in studying for the message and, it, and in the, even days previous to coming here, I believe that God has shown me that there is a time coming very soon in Calvary Baptist Church where God has a promised land, a Canaan land waiting and He's been preparing you. He has been preparing you. He's been preparing you individually. And he's been preparing you corporately. And I hope you understand the context in which I say this. The result is not up to God. It's up to you. God's power is the one that can do it. But he needs somebody to say the battle is the Lord's. Let me give you two examples or two simple points tonight about defeating the giants. Defeating the giants. Number one, realize the battle is the Lord's. David realized that what all the other Israelites failed to realize, David realized. When all the men of Israel, including Saul, who was head and shoulders above Israel, failed to realize that the giant stood before them was not of nothing because the battle was not for them to fight, but rather it was God's battle. Isn't that what we do? We often fight Satan with our weapons. We fight Satan with our abilities. We fight Satan with our fight of determination. We fight Satan through our character. And we fight Satan through our own wisdom and devices. But the battle is the Lord's. I remember very vividly in my mind the time that God took me to Germany to teach me. The battle is not going to be won through character. The battle is not going to be won through your skills. The battle is not going to be won by your personality. The battle is not going to be won by your abilities. The battle is not going to be won by your preaching. The battle is not going to be won by your soul winning ability. The battle is going to be won through God alone. We all will get to a place in our lives where who and what we are can't do it. 
I got to that place. I've been there. And as I was losing the battle in my mind, God said, you're fighting in who you are. You're fighting in the fact that you were raised in a good home. You were raised in a, went to a good Christian school. You went to a good Bible college. You were surrounded, the first time I went to Ghana, surrounded by great missionaries with strong beliefs and strong cores. And now, here you are in Germany, in the land of like Sodom and Gomorrah, where immorality and filth and trash are everywhere around you. And you're all alone. And guess what? Your character is not going to get you through this battle. battle is the Lord. I want to encourage you tonight by saying you don't have to fight the battle. David had to go to battle, but he didn't fight the battle. David had to put a stone in his sling, but David is not the one that knocked Goliath to the ground. The battle is the Lord. And this church, I believe that God has some giants right up ahead, but the giants are there, not, not, so, not because God wants to scare you off. God has a promised land for you. But the giants are there to see if you can pass the test of whether you understand and believe the battle is the Lord's. Many times in our minds, we are defeated by the giants. But I want to encourage you tonight that the Bible says, in, 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 the Bible mentions in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you're struggling that battle tonight, if you are having a hard time and you can't understand why, you can't overcome your, your, your difficulties and your problems and you're, you're, you're doing everything you can and know how and you're making every battle plan you can imagine and, and, and trying to figure out how you can do more and, 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 and do something that will work. And hey, let me tell you, God which began a good work in you, He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm confident of that because I've seen God do it in me. He will perform. It is the Lord's battle. He has begun the good work in you. Calvary Baptist Church, God has already been fighting for you. I won't explain anything but simply say that I knew the first day I walked into this church that God is fighting a battle for members. I can see just in talking to people and to see when I'm walking around, I can see that God is working in the hearts and lives of many people here. He's been dealing you, he's been giving you giants because he's preparing you for the promised land. So that you will realize when you step face to face with Goliath that the battle is the Lord's. Number two. First of all, number one, I, 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 we have to realize the battle is the Lord's. Number two. We have to internalize 
We have to go inside ourselves and realize why we often fail in doubt instead of faith. We won't turn over there tonight, but in the story of the Israelites, we find out that the reason they moved back from the promised land was because there was a mixed multitude among them. There were people that had too much of Egypt inside to have enough faith to face the giants. When we have too much Egypt in us, the giants look mighty big. Because in Egypt we are trained with the carnal, natural mind to look at things scientifically, to look at things naturally and ascertain and to put it all in a balance and say, which decision should I make? And inevitably, it's going to be the giant's bigger than me. I can't fight him. I mean, there have been times in my life, especially as a younger age, before I've had malaria several times or whatever else, that I used to say to myself, you know, I'd look at some bigger guy and be like, I could take that guy. I know I could take him. I hit him before he ever knew what's happening. It don't matter if he's bigger than me. But you know, you get a guy big enough, you're not going to say that anymore. <laughs> I remember seeing a football player just about from, from me to Brother Jesse way one time. I think he played fullback for the Green Bay Packers, and I looked at that guy and I said, Man, <laughs> good night. That is a wall of mile of pound of muscle. And there's no way I would ever want to fight that guy. And when we put it in a natural light, we never want to fight the giant. He's too big. You know why? Because it is impossible with man. It was impossible with man for David to ever defeat Goliath. And it was impossible with man for the children of Israel to ever beat the giants in the land of Canaan. But we find out that David did defeat the giants in the land of Canaan, and we find out later, when Egypt was gone because of those who were in Egypt were taken out of the way, and the new uh, generation came up knowing and fearing God, and they didn't have that thinking of Egypt in their mind anymore, that they went up to the promised land and said, hey, we can do it! Joshua, whatever you tell us, we'll do it because we know God's got a plan. Hey, walk around the, rock around the wall uh, seven times, seven days. Well, we'll do, hey, whatever you want, Joshua. God's got a plan. Because Egypt was no longer in the heart. What I want to call tonight Egypt is doors of doubt. Doors of doubt. We internalize, we have, we in our lives open up doors to Satan in our lives. And let me put it this way, that man is created in the image of God. And as he's created in the image of God, he is a trinity, or can be a trinity, just like God. Adam was created, body, soul, and spirit. You and I are, are, are born with a body and soul and a dead spirit because of that sin of Adam, I believe. But when we are born again, the spirit is born or reborn. We are born again. The Bible talks about the power of the Word of God that it divides asunder soul and spirit. And it creates in us a spirit that communes with God. And so we, as believers, are body, soul, and spirit, a trinity, just like God is a trinity. And for me, this is free, but for me, well, it's all free. Uh, for me, 
Dad said it costs a lot of money, so I guess it's not free. <laughs> For me, the easiest way to understand the Trinity is to understand my Trinity. I am three, body, soul, and spirit, but I'm one. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but he's one. And if I am a body, soul, and spirit, what happens is the war, Romans 6 and 7, between body, flesh, and spirit inside, the battleground is my soul. To make, to make us, help us understand what a soul is very simply, it's our will, our conscience, our emotions, our affections, our memory. That's our soul. And so in our soul, before salvation, and even after salvation, our flesh, our body, takes in through the senses that God has given us, Things that open a door in our soul to Satan. And when we open that door to Satan, we give him ground or a place. The Bible says in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27, neither give place to the devil. That word means jurisdiction. We give him a territory. We give him legal rights or legal ground to stand upon. The Bible says in uh, uh, 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. May devour. It doesn't say he can or he has to. It says he may devour. The word may is a permissible word. My grandma used to tell me that all the time when I was a child. Grandma, can I have some more food? She would say, I don't know whether you can or not. The question is, may you? May. I am asking for permission. She would say, I'm sure you are very capable of eating another thing of food, but may you, that's a different question. Somehow I never want to ask for more food, but anyway. The Bible says, seeking whom he may devour. Satan has no right authority over a, over a human being except for what that human being gives him. Satan just could not come over and take over the Garden of Eden or Adam and Eve. He had to come, lie to them, and convince them to open a part of them to him. They had to choose to say, I believe the word of Satan over the word of God. And that's a strong way of putting it, but that's reality. When we sin, we are choosing the word of Satan over God. God always paints a picture different than Satan. God tells us the truth. Satan always tells us part of the truth and leaves the bad part for us to figure out when it's too late. So we, in our soul, open doors of doubt when we give a place to Satan in our lives. We even as a Christian, maybe it happened for you before you were saved, maybe it happened after you were saved, and to me it's worse after you're saved because you have the Spirit of God to direct you and guide you and we quench him by disobeying him. But we open doors to Satan and we give him ground. When Satan comes to us, tells us a lie about God, tells us a lie about God's truths, a lie about God's word, and he says, may I have permission to come in, and we don't see it as that, but that's what he's doing. May I have permission, and we say... 
And Satan says, I've got somewhere to stand now. Then he'll come again. And he takes more space. And he takes more space. And he takes more space. And it can become what the Bible calls a stronghold in our life. And what we have, what Paul was talking about, Ephesians chapter, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7. I want to do these things, but I don't. And I don't want to do these things, but I do. It's a battle between spirit and flesh, Satan and God. And the battle is in here. And so what happens is many of us have opened up doors, and we're going to go through some specific doors, and I'll do it quickly, and I'll give you a handout about it, that you and I can open up to Satan where he has at least a foothold, but maybe a stronghold in our life. And because of that, when we face the giant, we've got enough ground of Satan in our soul that we go with the carnal mind and say, can't be done. Because the carnal mind is very strong when we're faced with fear. And the thing that Satan uses so often is You know what our biggest, one of our biggest battles is in Ghana, both for us and for the African people? Fear. The spirit of fear is so strong. People say, yes, I, I believe in God. I believe that He's almighty. But when it comes between choosing God or giving money to the witch doctor to bless my fishing on my farm, I'm going to give the money to the witch doctor. Why? I'm afraid of what will happen if I don't. Why? I look at it and say, I don't understand how they can't see that God is the almighty God and that he can protect him. What is it? In their soul, they've given a place to Satan, maybe a foothold, maybe a stronghold, but they can't look at it in faith because Egypt, the dowers of doubt, are in the soul. Let me give you 13 doors tonight. I think there's 11, 12 on the list, but I want to add one. These are not all-inclusive. I'm sure there are more out there. As I have helped to counsel people, I have found more. But these are major areas where you and I, and I'll try to go through them fairly quickly. Then you'll take the list home. And what I want you to do is when you get home, I want you to go and pray through this list and ask God God, is there any areas in any of these areas that I have doors open in my soul? And then we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Number one, the first door that is not, do not, the first door is not something that we have to open in our soul. It's something that is already open. And that is because it's what we call a generational iniquity. A generational iniquity, Exodus 34, 7 says... Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. God gave a promise that when we disobey his word, that iniquity will be carried out into the third and fourth generation. That iniquity is not a sin. By the, you, you notice in the Old Testament, it talks about, uh, David said, for example, the iniquity of my sin. Other times he talks about iniquity and sometimes he talks about sin. What is the difference? 
let me put it simply, iniquity is the desire in us to sin. It's not the actual committing of the sin, but it's the desire in us. That desire is in there, normally from something we have done, but in this case, the sins of our fathers, that desire for their sin is naturally already something that we desire. And so maybe for you as a small child, you had difficulties and struggles against a particular sin and Satan told you the whole time, you wicked little person, you're a horrible person, why are you like that? And you've, been, you've become this uh, insecure person because why am I like this? I don't want anybody to know what's going on inside. Let me tell you, this is the, 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 just because, number one, there's a thought, it doesn't mean it's your thought. Satan can give you thoughts, as he did many people in the Bible. But also, just because you have a propensity to a particular sin doesn't mean that you created it. It often comes from our Father. For, let me give you an example. Somebody whose father was an alcoholic and a drunk. The door of alcohol is already open in their life and they don't have to go and get some alcohol to give Satan a place in their life. That door is already open. And so from a young age, they're going to have the same desire. You ever wonder why is it that you see, can see the same sin generation after generation after generation, even though it's destroying the family? Because that desire is already there. So often an alcoholic, his children will be alcoholics, and you say you'd think that he growing up in an alcoholic's home, he wouldn't want to be an alcoholic, but why? The iniquity of that sin is already present. Maybe anger, maybe immorality, maybe sensuality, the difference being breaking God's commands, adultery and fornication and stuff, or just simply, uh, as Jesus said, you shouldn't even look upon a woman to lust after her. It could be uh, lying, it could be something like that, but that iniquity can come down to you, and as a small child, you can have that door open. And so Satan has a stronghold or uh, sorry Satan has a foothold in your life and that iniquity however is only iniquity it's not you can't accuse you can't say well it's my grandfather's fault it's my grandmother's fault it's my dad's fault it's my mom's fault the Bible says in uh, Jeremiah 4 verse 20 we acknowledge O Lord our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers for we have sinned against thee they're saying yes our fathers gave us iniquity and we have sinned but we sin and we recognize that it's our wickedness. Boy, today we live in an age where everybody wants to say it's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault I sin. I have that often, and God probably says that about me also, but I have that often in Ghana. Oh, it's not my fault, Pastor. We don't want to admit that the sin is ours, but my friend, every sin is ours. Every man shall give an account of himself to God. So number one, the door that, you could, that is already open for you is generation equity. So what I would do if I was, what I would ask you to do is I'd ask you to go home and pray and, and, and think about it, not in a sense of condemning your, 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 your fathers and, and mothers, but to say, God, genuinely show me what door may be open in my life that I need to close so that when I'm faced with a giant, I go forward in faith rather than back in fear. Number two is abuse. A door that's often open 
for us even in our lives is abuse, whether physical, mental, verbal, emotional, or sexual. Proverbs 18, 21, verse, uh, uh, first part of that verse, for example, says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Often we, uh, we, we find out that people feel like because of the words that were said to them, they were abused, especially emotionally and mentally. And so sometimes we, you can grow up, especially if you're growing up in a home of an alcoholic or a drug person or anybody, but you can grow up and you can grow up with that abuse, whether verbal or physical, and that door that's in your life needs to be closed and forgiveness needs to be given to those people so that that door of doubt is not there. Number three is sexual sins. Adultery, fornication, pornography, whether on the internet, whether videos, whether magazines, it doesn't matter. Pornography. Today you are just about able to see it on the streets. Homosexuality. Those are all sexual sins. And when we go into any of those, today it is an epidemic because of the, of the technology age. It's epidemic. When we open that door, Satan says, I've got a place. And he'll come after you and come after you and come after you to try to make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And no matter what comes your way, He's got you because the doubt is so strong you can't go forward in faith. Number four, occult practices. What is occult practices? It's horoscopes and Ouija boards and fortune telling and tarot cards and psychics and seances and levitation and palm reading, dungeons and dragons and things like Harry Potter and UGO cards and Bloody Mary and I don't even honestly know what all those things mean. But they're all areas that we can open our doors to occult practices. For in, in, in my country where, where we're living in Ghana, it's when your child gets sick, instead of going to the church and asking the elders to pray, you take them to the juju uh, or the priestess or priest as they call them, which is a witch doctor, and say, my child is sick, please pray for them. And when you do that, you open doors. One of my church members got saved God began to transform his life almost immediately. He began to go around the very first week he got saved, almost a seven-year-old man, and say, hey, I'm telling everybody, the idol is false. It's fake. Jesus, Jehovah is the real God. And boom, three weeks later, he disappeared. I looked for him. I wondered. I asked about him. I prayed for him. I said, where is John? One man finally told me, I think he's gone crazy. He's out in the bush. Began to pray for John. Long story short, through miraculous circumstances, both satanic power trying to hinder us from getting to church on a particular Sunday and God miraculously getting us to church on a Sunday. I got there actually at the close of the message. We, 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 we were not even living where our churches are now and as a long ways our car broke down. I got there at the close and John was sitting there and he had this look on his face. I said, John, good to see you. How, what are you. Where have you been? He said, Pastor, when they told me you weren't coming, I lost all hope. I can't take it anymore. They're yelling at me. They're screaming at me. I said, John, who? He said, the demon, the idol. He's screaming at me. 
I said, John, let me spend some time in prayer and fasting and get my, another missionary friend to come. We'll sit down with you and we'll do what we call spiritual warfare counseling, John, and we can, we can defeat this thing. And we sat down with John and John told us his story. As a, I think it was a 14-year-old young man, his dad took him to the idol and gave him to the idol as a living sacrifice. And from that day, John could literally communicate with the demon that was connected with that idol. I understand these things to us in America are strange. It used to be to me too. Yes, I know the idol's three rocks that they put there. But behind that rock, there is a power that deceives the people and takes them in bondage to Satan and sin. And when we open that door to occult practices, Satan does the same thing to us. Closing the... Oh, by the way, John is now my translator. Closing the doors in your life. Movies. Video games. You say movies and video games can open doors in our lives? Yes, they can. Through sensuality. Job said in Job 31.1, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? Jesus said, if you look after a woman of lust after you have committed adultery already with her in your heart. We can open a door to Satan through movies, through sensuality, and also through fear. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. My friend, when we purposely want to be made afraid in a, especially there's a lot of stuff out there that is very demonic and the world thinks it's ha, 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 funny and laugh, laugh, laugh. But my friend, it is opening many times a door to the satanic world. And Satan will use that when you face your giants. That spirit of fear will come and say, don't do it. And we'll shrink back. Then we beat ourselves up and Satan beats us ourselves up and says, you must not read enough Bible. You must not go to church. You must not go sowing enough. You must not do this enough. You must not. You know what it is? It's doors of doubt that are in our heart that have never been dealt with. And that's why we don't do the other things enough. Number six, drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol, Isaiah 5, 11 says, Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink that continue until night, till wine inflame them. Drugs and alcohol can open some serious doors. You say, well, what is, what is classified as a drug and alcohol? I know in America today we're, we're kind of fighting that battle. What is a drug and what is, what is alcohol? Okay, anything that takes you out of control and brings you under the power of another is a drug. Or alcohol. It is the opposite of being filled with the Spirit, where you would do things you would never normally do because the Spirit is controlling you. The opposite is true. Many times, sin comes as a result of, first of all, being under the control of something else. Number seven, traumatic experiences. What is traumatic experiences? I'm hurrying. Divorce, car accidents, rape. A death, abortion, molestation, abandonment, maybe church issues, maybe uh, issues with our own children, our own family. Any of those, if they, are, if they are truly traumatic for us and we accept the spirit of fear or bitterness or anger or uh, questioning God or whatever that comes from them, that opens a door to Satan in our life. Number eight is music. 
2 Corinthians 6.15 says, And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What fellowship hath righteousness and unrighteousness and light with darkness? The, 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 I, I think, let me, let me give you this illustration. Let's say that on this side is hell and darkness, Satan. And on this side of the platform is Christ and light. And what we often think is as long as I'm not down there, it's okay. And what often happens and what I see happening, a lot, uh, it scares me to come back to America, but what I see happening in so many churches is, is the church is saying the world is going down further that way, so we have to keep going for, to, after them. We've got to fit in. We've got to make them feel comfortable. We've got to make them feel like we can buddy-buddy up with them. My friend, every step I just took towards the world, I just took away from the light in Jesus Christ. And I become blind because the light is not shining anymore. And music, when it takes us towards the world and away from the light, it opens a door in our life. There's nothing more controlling than music that I know of. The thing that I get so frustrated with in Ghana is music. And you know what? Many times it's because you can't shut it out. I mean, there's been, no, I don't know, hundreds of nights, I, I, I would think I can safely say hundreds of nights in our family's life, no matter which place we were living in at different times, that literally, whether we could turn up, I don't know, the, 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 the Hooker family sisters singing as loud as we wanted, it wasn't enough because our house was going boom, 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 boom. I literally have been in funerals where... I, I, I took Grant one time. I rarely take my children. I don't remember why I did at this particular time. But I took Grant to a funeral. And literally sitting in there at the music, Grant began to say, Dad, my heart hurts. I can't sit here. It's hurting my heart, literally. I had to say, Grant, you go sit over there. And then after a while, I got such a headache, I told, I told him, I said, I'm sorry, I've got to come sit over here. Music. It controls people. We can open a door to Satan for his control just through simply saying, you know what? I'm curious as to what this is like. Next, number, uh, number nine, secrets. A door that Satan gives us, get, takes over us and, get, and takes control is secrets. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. Something that is not taught today and it's something that's not commonly practiced in churches because of pride. But the Bible says, commands us to confess your faults one to another in the fear of the Lord that ye may be healed. When I went to Germany, and I began to be surrounded by Sodom and Gomorrah syndrome, whatever you want to call it. What God taught me through our church members who have been Christians a long time in Germany was the way they survived in such degradation was they confessed their faults one to another. 
I was shocked the first time I was in a men's prayer meeting and men began to say, pray for me about this and pray for me about that and pray for me about this. And I said, good night. I would never have, have thought that would ever happen in the church. But you know what I found? They were healed. And they lived in a wicked society, but they were going forward for God because they didn't have secrets in their heart. You know what Satan does? He takes a secret and he takes you captive by it. And he keeps telling you, what if somebody ever finds this out? And any time that a certain situation comes up, he brings that thought or that secret back to your mind and fear grips your heart and you say, oh no, oh no, maybe now's the time that somebody's going to find out. And he takes you because he has a stronghold by taking a secret of your life and keeping you captive to fear. Number 10, acts of rebellion. The Bible says for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. The sin of witchcraft. When we, any act of rebellion in our life, no matter how big or how small, when we defy authority in our life, whether it's in grade school or whether it's beyond grade school, we open a door to Satan. Number 11, humanistic teachings. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself what? against the knowledge of God. If it goes against this word, the book, and it has knowledge that is outside of this book, it is against God. And when we take teachings into our life, that are against this book, we are opening a door to Satan through the wisdom, not of man even, but of hell. We can do that very easily. Education is worshipped around the world today. And people will literally sell their soul for education. And if we have done that, we've probably opened the door to Satan through humanistic teachings. The Bible says, cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes thee to err from the words of knowledge. When people start saying, well, I know God's word says this, but I have heard, well, that's humanistic teaching. And it's caused me to err from the words of knowledge. Number 12, unhealthy soul ties. I've got two more. We're almost done. Unhealthy soul ties. The adulterers and adulteresses know ye, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore shall be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. What often happens is we have soul ties in our life. And let me explain it real quickly like this. It's probably the best way I can explain it is for you married couples. Before you got married, there was somebody else in your life. Whether you, whether you ever were, were, did anything wrong with them, it doesn't matter. Maybe it, it could have been even at, at, a, at a fairly young age, but you have a soul tie with that person. How do, you know, how do I know if I have a soul tie? When you are struggling in your marriage, your relationship, and that person comes to your mind as maybe I should have gone this direction, that is a soul tie. And you know what? While everything's good, you're going to be fine. But you know what? Satan just never seems to pick on the strong. 
He never picks on me, uh, uh, Brother Hopper. He never picks on me after I spent hours in prayer and fasting and I feel like God is moving in my life. He doesn't come then. He waits till I'm discouraged and defeated and sick and in a hospital bed. And the devil is like a stinking lion. He goes for the weak ones. He's strong enough to get the, the, the strong ones, but he goes for the weak ones because he's a bully. I know it because I watch him go after my wife and my children all the time in Africa. And sometimes I literally say, why don't you mess with me? Leave him alone. You're a bully. Satan will wait till you're weak. And then he'll bring that person from your past back into your life and give you an opportunity to open up a big door to Satan. And so what you want to do is you want to go in prayer to God and you want to ask God to erase that person, that soul tie between you and that person and look at them if they're lost as a person who needs salvation and if they're saved as a brother or sister in Jesus Christ. Last one, theft. Theft. You know, ever, ever wonder how it was that Judas got to the place where he sold the Lamb of God for money. If you look a little bit earlier, the Bible says he was a thief and had the bag. He didn't get to that place in one day. He didn't just all of a sudden one day say, hey, you know, I want 30 pieces of silver. He got used to taking money and stealing money, and so he began to sell his soul to Satan to where when the right opportunity came, he gave his all. Theft no matter how big or small, can be a door in our soul. I'm talking about here, I'll, con I'll confess my sins tonight, some of them. Uh, <laughs> when I was a little child, my mother had a jar up in, hopefully I'm not teaching any little children to say anything here. My mother had a jar up in, in, a, in, a, in a, I don't know, some, it was like a closet, but a canning room is what she called it. She had all kinds of canned vegetables in there and fruit. We lived in the, in the country. Uh, and she had a jar in there that had bubble gum. It had hard candy on the outside, and you suck it for a little while, and there's bubble gum on the inside. Well, I found it one day, and I began to take a piece here and there. I'd grab me a handful and put it in my pocket. I'd go down to the lake. My parents lived on a lake on the dock, and I'd start fishing, you know. It got to where I did it more and more and more. You know, at first, you're really scared. And then after a while, you get a little more brave, a little more confident, haven't been caught yet. Eventually, I took too much, and my mother noticed. Maybe she saw me do it. I have no idea. I just know I was down fishing. And my mom said, Michael! And the way your mother's call, you always know if you're in trouble or not. I said, yes! <laughs> have you been stealing my gum? I said, no. What am I saying? When I went through this spiritual warfare stuff, I had to go back, and I tried to ask God to go back. Every little, even tiny thing like that, God, I confess it and I give it to you. I want to close that door in my life. John, 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2 says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Our soul is the battleground. Are we going to go forward in faith or back in fear? The battle's the Lord's. If there's doors of doubt in our heart, we need to go to God and give it to them. Give them to Him. So when the giant comes, we can say, the battle 
is the Lord. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.